Hello, ASPN listeners. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Big Tourism. I am your host, Erica Sears, recording from my home, my sweet shelter on the Oregon coast. As many of us around the country and world are confined to our homes and find ourselves looking out our windows and possibly looking for something to do, I hope you've enjoyed the different views that the American Shoreline Podcast Network has been offering. On this show, Big Tourism, I am aiming to provide a perspective into the complicated and intricate world of tourism and destination management. For the past couple of weeks, I have been focusing on how COVID-19 has come out west, like a COVID cowboy, um, to the Oregon coast and has affected the tourism industry and our unique stakeholders differently. And although I've been sticking close to home, I hope that listeners out there or in there have found a lot of similarities between what we are working through here and what you are experiencing on your part of the American shoreline. So we've had the opportunity to speak with a restaurant and lodging operator, you know, that that type of business that seemed to be hit first. And then we had a chance to chat with an emergency preparedness expert who wasn't all too surprised about some of the disorganization that we are seeing. And today, I am happy to welcome to our show, Jamie Michelle. She's the Vice President of Business Development and Operations for Sweet Home, Sweet Homes Vacation Getaways. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Jamie. Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. So I thought I would start, I don't know, actually, Jamie, if I've told you this before, but one of my first jobs um, was working for a vacation rental company up here in Pacific City. Um, It was, you know, I wasn't even old enough to drive. I was a house cleaner with my mom. So I must have been like 14 or 15. And I always, I always crack up when I think about it, because it's like, that age where you just really want to be hanging out with your friends. I remember looking out the windows, like cleaning the windows and seeing my friends riding horses and going surfing and me just being like squeaking, squeaking, squeaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because of that, I've always had, you know, a sweet spot for the vacation rental companies on the Oregon coast, the staff that make them up and really the special experiences that they can offer. Um, So I'm glad to have your perspective today. Additionally, I think your perspective is, is going to be unique because it seems like vacation rentals have had a little bit of a different experience than other types of businesses and also a little bit of a different timeline. So I think that you and I spoke on the phone like two weeks ago. Was that about two weeks ago? And I was like, Jamie, what's going on? Are you guys still open? It seems like like it's kind of bustling in the vacation rental worlds. Um, and I think a lot has happened since then. That's right. So... Yeah. So I thought um, before you and I just jump into it, like we can, that we will just do a little bit of background and and set the scene for people that might not be that familiar with Sweet Homes Vacation Getaways or possibly someone that's like, I don't really know that much about vacation rental companies in general. So, um, you know, like how many miles of the Oregon coast do you cover? About how many houses is that? What's the size of your team? You know, what makes your homes so sweet? Awesome. Well, I'd love to talk to you about that. So Sweet Homes Vacation Getaways is a family-owned business, and we began in 2008. Um, 
And, you know, the vacation rental model is so interesting because we are both asset managers and we offer unique stay experiences for travelers to the coast. Um, we currently manage 76 privately owned homes over a 50 mile section of the Central Oregon coast. So from 10 Mile Creek uh, area to the south and up to Glen Eden Beach, which for our listeners that, that might not be familiar with that part of the coast, that's just south of Lincoln City. Yeah, so it's a pretty decent stretch uh, of the coast. It's a beautiful stretch as well. And what's the size of your team? So like your reservation specialists or cleaning staff, about how many people do you employ? So in a normal year, uh, we, we have just around <laughs> <Right>. 50. <laughs> at this time of year, we have just around 50 full-time year-round employees. Um, and then mm-hmm. we usually add about another handful um, in the high season. And, and those would be... Um, you know, people that help us with, you know, housekeeping and some extra maintenance hands. Um, so, you know, we're lucky enough that we have some employees who have been with us for years that are snowbirds themselves. And so we love w- welcoming them mm-hmm. back to help us in the high season. And it really works for, for them and their lifestyle. Um, so yeah, that's what it looks like. In a, I- yeah, that's what it looks like in a normal yeah. pre-COVID <laughs> Totally, totally. And we'll do our background as if we're having a normal year, um, which it, the roaring 20s have hit off with a very not normal year. Um, but so can you briefly, and I know that you and I could really sink into this for a long time, but just briefly describe what it's like having a vacation rental company on the Oregon coast as far as, you know, how, what's the interactions that you guys have with local communities or local governments and, you know, possibly traditional lodging like hotels in your area? What is it like to own that kind of company or run yeah. that kind of company? Yeah, so it's it's definitely um, interesting and unique. It keeps us on our toes. Um, the vacation rental home model has been around for a long, long time. I, I used to vacation um, in a rental mm-hmm. home at the beach um, as a child myself. Um, but in the past 10 years, you know, travelers have really begun to show a strong preference towards our sector, you know, of the lodging industry. And the vacation rental investment is such a great model for second home investors. Our homeowners purchase second homes, you know, where they love to vacation. And then under our management program, our homeowners have unlimited use of the homes themselves. And when they're not here, then, um, we're able to host other travelers who can enjoy living like locals. And that's just really shown to be um, a big travel trend. Um, we're a full service property manager and we handle everything from advertising to booking maintenance, anything you can think of for our homeowners. Um, but it's an interesting time because as much demand as we have from the traveler, um, we are getting a lot of pushback um, from the governments right now. And this is not just a problem on the Oregon coast, but uh, a challenge that, that we, I follow, you know, around the world. So um, Mm -hmm. anytime that you have a disruptive sector to a market, you know, you know, vacation rental homes are to hotel lodging, like what Uber was to taxi. Right. So um, Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes some time um, for people to really wrap their heads around that kind of big change. Um, so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's small pockets of people in certain neighborhoods that have the age old attitude, not my backyard. And unfortunately, neighbors forget that most of us came from somewhere else. We, we might have been here for 20 years, 30 years or 50 years, 
but a lot of us came from somewhere else. And um, we, we hear so many anecdotes about vacation rental, you know, investments affecting available housing stock, um, amongst other concerns. And uh, you may or may not know that I personally have been very involved in organizing a group here on the Oregon coast to educate our government officials about our sector of the lodging industry. Um, so one of the things that we're currently working on that I'm using some of my quote downtime on is to push this forward. <laughs> and that's that we've procured the services of a leading economist and a housing specialist. And we're looking forward to sharing our economic impact studies you know, with our local officials in the hopes of dispelling some of the anecdotes. Now, the economist has told me that he expects to find that just the vacation rental sector of lodging in Lincoln County um, probably contributes to over $2 million in, in the local economy, just in Lincoln County. Um, but once we have yeah. those facts, yeah, once we have those facts and numbers, you know, I'm confident that we're going to be able to work with our local officials to come up with reasonable approach to, to governing our industry. But right now we're finding that our local officials are being highly reactive to a few very loud constituents. And, um, you know, we see a lot of governing being based on hearsay. So again, I'm really looking, you know, I'm a, I'm a, facts gal. And so I'm really looking forward to um, presenting the economic impact study. Um, so it, yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. It, it, yeah. And it's relevant to, you know, a lot of the beach towns around the entire, you know, United States, I'm sure, cause you said you've been tracking as well are kind of experiencing this, you know, complicated experience with vacation rental homes. And it is kind of a hard industry, especially if maybe a lot of the, um, owners of those second homes don't actually live in that community. So maybe they're not, you know, in with the local government or understand some of those local processes. Um, so that will certainly be interesting seeing those, that the economics from that. Um, Jamie, you know, I will want to see that when it comes out. But I wanted to just touch on something that you mentioned briefly, which is you know, what kind of people prefer to stay in a vacation home? I'm guessing it's safe to say that 100% of your um, of the people staying in the homes are visitors. Is that correct? Traveling more than 50 miles? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. um, I would say that our guests, you know, choose are choosing to stay in private residence for a few different reasons. I mean, one is getting back to this just huge travel trend. Um, to experience a location as a local. And I, I know that you follow you mm -hmm. know, all of those you know, trends. So there's that. Um, but mostly we cater to people who want to stay under one roof. So rather than booking a block of hotel rooms, you know, and meeting for an outing or, or, you know, meeting in the restaurant downstairs for dinner, our guests have a deeper bonding experience, you know, over a rousing ping pong tournament in the garage that goes on all weekend or a group <laughs> dinner from mm -hmm. prep to clean up, you know, morning coffee with all the generations, you know, around the breakfast table, watching the sun come up, you know, still in their jammies, family game night. So we'll provide experiences that are, you know, really different from hotel stays. And we see a lot of multi-generational family gatherings, which just totally warms my heart, but that seems to be a, a big, yeah. um, a big clientele to the vacation rental. Um, yeah. Of, you kind know, of just that, get everybody a, under the same roof. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then do you have kind of like a, like what percent of the homeowners um, do not live in the area? 
Oh gosh. Um, are they, are, do they do most of them? Would you say, I guess not even a percentage, but do most of them um, live somewhere else, like 50 miles away from where their vacation home is, or is it kind of mixed? They, no, they do. Mo- most of them live, um, live further away than 50 miles. We have a handful of, of homeowners that live just over in the Willamette Valley, which for our listeners, you know, is about an hour, hour and a half away drive. Um, and they are able to come over and do come over and enjoy their homes on a pretty regular basis. And that works really well with our program, because like I said, if if somebody makes an investment in a home and they put a long term tenant in, then they don't have access to that home. Whereas with our right. investment model, you know, they can buy the house or make the investment come over and use it unlimited under our program. And when they're not using it, we make sure that they generate some, some good revenue, you know, and we show the guests, you know, um, that kind of experience by staying right. in private residence. Yeah. It's, it's just such a, such a unique um, business model because it's essentially all visitor tour, you know, you're just so strong in that tourism industry. Um which leads us to COVID-19 conversations. Um, so going back to that phone call that you and I had a couple of weeks ago where I was like, yeah, it looks like all the hotels are shutting down, but I'm seeing a lot of kind of, you know, marketing for vacation rental homes. And then the street that I live on, I'm the only uh, full-time resident here. So, you know, I can usually get a good feel of when visitors are here. Um, it seemed like there was a perception that staying in a vacation rental was safe. You could adhere to social distancing. Um, what were your thoughts on that? And, you know, why why would somebody consider themselves safe in a vacation rental home? Well, you know, in the early days of the COVID discussions here on the coast, it did seem like the coast would be a great place for people to come to to practice social distancing. But things changed at a very fast and furious pace. And, you know, we were shifting our operational plans just several times a day in the in those early days of trying to get adjusted to social distancing. What exactly does that mean? And it became really mm-hmm. clear to us that that the socially conscious decision um, was was to shut down our operations, um, even though there hadn't been a, a government order yet. So um, it, it became more, the thought process became more about teaching people to shelter in place. And as soon as we all started thinking shelter in place has a really different meaning than social distancing. So yes, you mm-hmm. can come here from the Valley or Idaho or wherever you're visiting from, and then shelter in place in your vacation rental home. But that that wasn't true sheltering in place. So anyhow, um, um, that's when we decided that that uh, we the right thing to do was to get in front of this. So we, we immediately um, revamped or pulled back all of our marketing, um, stopped encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, any trap, doing our part. Um, this goes against, of course, our our grain and what we live and breathe, which is to discourage visitors to our beautiful coast. But it, it was just the oh, right, totally. yeah. yeah, it was just the right thing to do. And so we began um, shutting down our operations on our own decision um, on a Saturday. And I believe the county ordinance to shutter all guest stays, you know, that included hotels and all other short-term stays, including vacation rental homes. I think that was made the following Tuesday. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by 
LJA Engineering with 28 offices along the Gulf Coast. The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numeric modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. And now they have a brand new coastal resiliency department headed up by our very own Peter Ravella. Check them out at lja.com. We are also brought to you by Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants prides itself on offering specific environmental and horticultural expertise with practical first-hand knowledge of all aspects of coastal revegetation projects. Their high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, along with their skilled and respectful crews, make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring coastal ecology of your barrier island community. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. And we are brought to you by the Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They can handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at the dunesciencegroup.com. Yeah. And so how, you know, you said like, you know, we, you know, we realize like the right thing to do. You know, what, what was that thinking process looking like? Is that we as in management, we as in people in our community, we as in the people cleaning the houses, you know, or a combination of all that, like what led you to that really proactive approach? Yeah, well, I, um, I co-manage the entire operation here on the coast with, um, with one other gal. Um, her name is, um, Casey Baker. And so for the sake of lodging, if you will, I manage back of the house operation or rather Casey manages back of the house operations and I manage front of the house operations. And we answer directly to the owners of the company who are Todd and Kate Corgan. And um, mm-hmm. we are just so fortunate. So Todd and Kate are um, amazing leaders. And so the four of us, you know, were talking about every two hours for about three or four days. It was pretty intense time. Um, and we all sort of work, woke up that Saturday morning. We were hanging on. <clears throat> we were trying to stay open. We were trying to mm-hmm. do the right thing socially. Um, for the safety of our employees, our guests, our community, all of that comes into play. Um, but we all just kind of woke up and said, you know, as hard as this decision is, the right thing to do is to is to ramp it down. And um, right. So we, we you know, we and, had and a with pretty that. Good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, and it's so nice to hear, you know, when I think we do see a lot of that really great leadership in a lot of our businesses on the coast. Um, And so it's always, you know, nice to hear that. Um, So, so basically we say, okay, no more visitors, you know, that happened up here in Tillamook County as well. No more visitors can come. But when it comes down to it, you know, those second homeowners, they own those houses. And so they have a right to come stay in that house themselves still during this time. Um, are you seeing a lot of your homeowners come back and, you know, kind of live in their houses out here on the coast or are most people trying to stay in the Valley or what kind of, what have you guys been seeing? Well, we have a, a handful of homeowners, um, 
that have blocked out their homes for themselves for the month of April. So um, what we did is when, when we started, you know, we put together like a tiered ramp down program. And the first thing we did was cleared all the April reservations. So this was in the last, what, almost the last week of March that all this was happening. <clears throat> so anyhow, mm-hmm. um, a lot, you know, a few of our homeowners, a handful, um, decided that they were going to come over here and shelter in place. And, um, I, my personal opinion is I think that that's fine. Um, I think that the going back and forth between your residences is probably not the right way to shelter in place. Um, but mm-hmm. that's not that's not for us to police. It's you know we are simply the mm-hmm. agents um, for these homeowners. It's their home, um, but we do um, follow, listen to um, a lot of um, chatter out in the community, and um, you know the overall sense seems to be that somebody should that's lucky enough to have multiple homes, it would be nice if somebody, you know, chose a location and then kind of stuck to it. So, um, right. Like shelter in place, but just one place. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. Pick <laughs> yeah. a place and stay there. Um, so yeah, we do have homeowners and, exactly. and you know, it's a great time, you know, and I, I, you know, I spoke, I was just speaking with, um, a general manager of another large um, hotel yesterday. And it's interesting because we have very similar concerns and ways that we're dealing with the COVID challenges, but it's different for hotels and lodging, right? Because they essentially just have to shut down in ho- oh, like a traditional hotel. Right. So anyhow, a lot of our homeowners that are able to be over here, um, unlike, you know, in the hotel business, our owners can come over and they can catch up on some of their, you know, maintenance tours. So maybe they've been intending to, you know, repaint a bedroom or, um, Sure. You know, they're working sure. on their landscape and their yard. So it's so, you know, that, those are the things that, that people are making, you know, good use of the time, the downtime. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've seen a few of my neighbors busily working. I'm like, if there wasn't the COVID thing, I'd be like, come on over, <laughs> do my backyard too. Um, so what have been, you know, maybe the top two, you know, two or three challenges for you as you're navigating sort of this COVID-19 experience? Um, and have there been any silver linings too during this difficult time? Um, definitely. So, you know, as of the time of this conversation that we're having, um, we are still working very closely with our banker at Oregon Coast Bank. And um, she's helping us, you know, navigate our um, PPP application. That's the Paycheck Protection Program as part of the CARES Act. And um, Mm -hmm. I know that, um, you know, many of our furloughed employees are still waiting for financial relief from the government. And there's been a lot of frustration uh, getting what they need from the employment department. And of course, those $1,200 checks can't get to them soon enough. But as far as silver linings, I think there's many, you know, we're, we're a homegrown company, as I said, and we've seen a steady growth rate, particularly in the last seven years. And so paring down the company um, gives us a chance to reassess how we operate. And it's been a great time to tighten up procedures and certainly plenty um, of cross training going on for those that are helping us, you know, to continue to run the, the pared down operation. And so we're becoming a stronger um, organization every day. Great. And that's actually is a perfect, um, perfect transition to kind of looking forward. So I've noticed that a ton of coastal businesses 
um, small businesses have started pivoting on their operations and or marketing. So for example, we're seeing restaurants that are offering delivery options for the first time. We're seeing virtual shopping sprees, people transitioning to online classes. So have there been any ways that Sweet Homes Vacation Getaways um, has kind of pivoted some of your strategy and that you could possibly keep going forward with that when this ends? So that doesn't really, you know, work with our, in our business model, unfortunately. Okay. But, but the good mm-hmm. thing is we are still open for business. So although we have no guests in house right now, we're very much open for business. Our phones are ringing off the hook. Our email inbox is full. We can hardly keep up. Unfortunately, a lot of it is taking care of guest um, refunds, but that's part of the job. So we're, we're busy doing that. And like I said, um, revamping and restrengthening all of our procedures. So, um, you know, we're focused on the future and we're getting ready to, to welcome guests back to the Central Oregon coast as soon as we get the, the heads up from the government officials. Yeah. And I think um, you guys have been doing a great job. I've checked out your social media as far as not going dark on your social media, but providing some of these moments of Zen, you know, different video shots of the ocean for, you know, for those people that are maybe stuck in their homes in a, you know, in a bigger city or they can't get out to the coast right now. I think, you know, that's what we've been doing as well with, with our marketing. So um, that is great and positive, but um you are just reading my mind because the next question, kind of our final question here that I was going to ask you is what is the signal that you're waiting for to open your doors? So I, th- I think it sounds like everybody's kind of, depending on what business you're you're in out there, um, we're all kind of waiting on different signals like, ooh, things are getting better. Oh, it's time to reopen. What's going on? Um, so what is the signal that you are looking for And when you get that signal, what do you think your capacity will be to operate again? Or, you know, like how long will it take you from getting the signal to be up and running like before? So, yeah. So as I said, we're just waiting for the government to to give us the green light that it's, you know, we can welcome um, guests back to the coast. And, you know, like, as I said, we furloughed 40 of our 50 employees and we can't wait Whoa. to bring them back to work. And we're hopeful that the Paycheck Protection Program will allow us to start bringing back employees sooner than later so that we can get everybody kind of back back in a um, routine. Um, as far as how long it'll take us to, to get back up and running, I mean, we, we just flick a switch and our doors are open again. But you know, we're, we're based on reservations and our calendars basically have gotten wiped out. So our, um, you know, we're, we're, um, I know it'll take time to fill our calendars back up, but we are ready to start, um, welcoming guests on the day that the government says it's okay. So we're currently accepting new reservations beginning May 1 going forward. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but What's happening is um, the booking window, um, which for those that aren't familiar with that term, the booking window in lodging is from the difference in time between when a reservation is made and the date of arrival. And historically, over the last few years, that booking window has getting been getting smaller. So whereas people used to plan their mm-hmm. trips a year in advance, over the last few years, we've seen that get smaller, smaller, smaller. And I think right. um, with 
COVID, um, when guests start traveling again, that booking window is going to be really tight. Um, and I think that guests are going to be much more comfortable making um, last minute plans rather than planning out, you know, to an unsure future. So um, right. we've, we've just been, um, as we shut down the operation, everything got kind of sanitized and sealed up. And so when we get the green light, we'll go in, give everything a, um, a fresh spruce up and, and we'll be ready to welcome mm-hmm. the guests back. Yeah. And I think that I've heard that echoed a lot about that booking window. That's what a lot of people are expecting is that it's going to be, you know, super short, like, okay, can we go out? Like, well, maybe we'll wait make sure that we can actually leave that we, yes. you know, that reverse the order. Um, so that is interesting. And I just kind of chuckle cause like, I can't imagine, um, like planning a trip a year in advance. That's just like <laughs> not how I operate. So, um, I, I always chuckle when I'm like, people are like, Oh, it's really gone down. It's those millennials. Um, <laughs> but you know, well, that, that smaller <laughs> booking window, um, I think that if the, the smaller booking window that I believe will, will for sure be an effect of COVID being on people's minds is that, um, travelers, um, we use dynamic pricing in our industry, much like the big hotel chains and airlines. So the shorter the booking window, the less nightly rate um, is collected. And so it affects our revenue projections for the rest of the year. So, you know, we have, we have two, two things that I'm really focused on as far as revenue protect predictions coming out of this is one, we pray that we have um, a summer season here because the majority Mm -hmm. of revenue that takes to run an operation like this um, is brought in in the high season months. So your June, July, and August, some of September. Um, The later that um, we get pushed back to welcome, to be able to welcome guests back, um, you know, that that changes um, what the revenue forecasts are. Um, Plus, if the booking window is shortened, the revenue coming in on those same dates is less than it maybe would be in a different kind of a year. And so we really have to keep a very close eye on on all of that um, going forward as we do our planning. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's such an interesting insight just to the planning and just how complicated and intricate the work that you do is, um, especially people that may have never tuned in an ear to that kind of work before. So um, thank you so much, Jamie, for taking time out of your busy and hectic day to join us on Big Tourism. It's been great to gain more insight into the world of vacation rentals on the Oregon coast. Um, just wanted to say that you are appreciated and the work that Sweet Homes Vacation Get- Getaways does is also appreciated. Um, so thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Erica. You are welcome. And I was just going to end by saying, I think that you mentioned email that you're referring to every day as Blur's Day. So to sign off to everybody out there, (laughs) happy Blur's Day, everyone. TGI Blur's Day. Mm